That is that is something that I've thought about. Where I need that outward accountability first, yeah, and, and then I can you, get the self accountability. Yeah, that. and once you get into the groove of it, it's not so bad. It's like I don't know, brushing your teeth in the morning or something. But it's just initially changing your lifestyle and getting into that routine. Yeah, trying to get that self motivation in there. Yeah, to yeah. where the, that's the whole thing. So I assume that's also a big part of your owning your own business too, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, because you can't call out when you <laughs> when it's just you to to do the work. Um, I think uh, it's like I was saying. I always have to have a project. I have a crazy work ethic, and uh, <clears throat> I can't not be doing something or like accomplishing a goal. I get in like a funk if I right. am not like moving forward. I don't sit down like on my day off on Sunday. You know, most people will just sit there and watch TV. Like, I cannot sit still, and I cannot. So no Sunday eat. football for you all day? I try. <laughs> I really try. I'm serious. I, I really do. We, I like, oh, yeah, you know, just sit here all day, and I watch these games, and, you know, I got this six-pack or whatever, and we're going to make this food. And, and so, like, I'm up, like, making the food. And then I'm like, okay. Well, since I'm up making the food, I better put these clothes in the wash. And then uh, <laughs> I need to replace the sink in this bathroom. So I'm just going to go ahead and start demoing. So you're this. just going through everything that you already know that you need to do. Yeah, and it and just, just spirals like, out of well, control. Well, I just do it. Like, I don't yeah. like, I just like check back in on the game like every so often. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. You know, <laughs> like it's now halftime and I've watched literally like. 36 seconds of the game. <laughs> but I've done all this amazing stuff. Uh, so that's just how my mind is really. Have you always been like that? Um, as far back as I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just uh, the, the the interests and the goals are different. When I was a kid, um, all I ever wanted to do was be really, really good at the guitar. So I grew up and, and was interested in guitar and music when uh, the 80s were happening. And, uh, you know, like guys like Eddie Van Halen and Paul Gilbert and Yngwie Malmsteen and stuff, and they were like superhuman on the guitar. Yeah. So my in my mind, I was like, all right, well, I just have to, just have to practice, you know, this thing for like, Eight hours, even though it's the same little lick. Like I just have to keep on going, and that's you know I'll, I'll get to that. So uh, you know that was the obsession and the goal then was to be a really good articulate guitar player. And uh, you know while other people were out having fun and 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 uh, you know doing normal kid stuff, mm -hmm. uh, I was at home with my metronome and like scale books and like just learning learn, as yeah, much as you learn, can. Yeah, really. And and uh, uh, so yeah, just different. Uh, Different goals and different interests now. I think really. So when when did it turn into from, I would say a hobby and a passion for you to an actual life changing career? Um, well, with the exception of maybe one year of my life in my mid twenties, it's been my entire career. Um, <clears throat> I think. Uh, even back before I had, you know, what would be considered a real legal job. Uh, so so um, I started playing guitar at seven. Mm -hmm. 
and I was like super into it uh, always. And uh, then I got to a point where, you know, you get bit by the buying gear bug. Right. And I think that happened maybe around, let's say, 13 to 14. So um, I would work these manual labor jobs, like excruciating manual mm-hmm. labor. I would get dropped off at uh, a farm that was just like raw land. And it'd be like, okay, you need to clear this area. Like so we can make that it into a dedication. horse field. Yeah. And then you need to build this fence. So I was in the I think it started in the summer of the sixth grade and I was out there in the eighty degree heat in July by yeah. myself digging fence post holes and putting up a fence and all to get money so I could buy go buy like the latest new DOD distortion pedal <laughs> or the, you know, Van Halen transcription book or whatever mm-hmm. or um, you know, whatever the black Fender Strat with a Floyd Rose tremolo, like whatever it was into then. How did you find out what to buy? Was it just through the magazines? Oh and- yeah, that's all you had then. So, yeah. um, I always talk about this because the world is so different now for somebody getting into music. So, especially living here, like we we live in a pretty rural area, and although we're outside of some big cities, we we were kind of. It was slower here, you know? Right. Um, So there was a couple things. There was every month you would get your Guitar World magazine, which was huge. I still have every issue from like 1989. That's crazy. Yeah, I have them like archived. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you had your Guitar World magazine, and then you had your weekly trips to the music store and your guitar lessons. Um, So... Although there was all this cool stuff out in the world, you only knew about the little bit of stuff that was in your universe. So it was a big thing, um, reading the magazines. I'd always read the interviews in the magazines. Even if I didn't like the artist, I was interested in like you know what they were using. Like you know, people. Uh, I hate the Eagles. <laughs> I hate them. I don't know why. Like it's just to me, it's just like a terrible band. Same thing with Fleetwood Mac. I just don't see the appeal. But I would even read the articles. I'm like, okay, you know, they're using to get that crappy guitar tone on this Eagles song. They're using this thing, so I know to stay away from this thing. Right. I don't want to sound like that. Right. Um, and then you know, going in. I think uh, at the time there were three music stores here in Southern Maryland. There mm. was uh, Rolland Music Company. It was actually one of my first jobs. There was. O'Neill's music, and there was Hot Licks. And uh, I mean, I would go in all of them and like scope out all the different guitars and stuff, and, and really just, you know, kind of wander around and, and listen to the real customers that were there, what they were talking about, what they were interested in. So that's kind of how I learned. And a lot of mistakes. Like, I would buy a lot of weird, stupid stuff. <laughs> and it was like definitely not what I needed. I was talking to a couple of my other musician friends how. Shows have changed around a lot where oh, you yeah. go to bigger shows now and you have people that are all digital but are rock bands, so they're all direct into the PA. Yep. And then you also have the people that have just stacks and stacks and stacks of amps and cabs, and no one knows what they're playing anymore. So when you look at it, when you don't like when you don't go to your neighborhood shows. You don't go to your, not the big arena shows, but the actual like national shows where you yeah. can see what the gear is. Yeah, I don't think you get that that same feel. Of, this is the person that I want to play as. I need to buy all their gear. Yeah, totally, totally. It's uh, <clears throat> it's really weird now too because, um, 
you can almost erase everything that I thought of when I was a kid that you needed to have. So um, I thought, and I have literally said this out loud in my younger days, that you are not a real guitar player if you don't at least have a half stack. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, I lived by that. Like, if I had someone be like, hey, you want to come over and jam? I'd be like, all right, yeah. And then I would get there, and they'd have this little, like, small crate right. amp yeah. or something. Yeah. Or even, like, a good, like, a Fender Deluxe Reverb or something. I'd be like, oh, man, uh, where's your real amp? <laughs> 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 because I just thought that you had to have right. at least a half stack or you weren't a real guitar player. So... Nobody has a half stack anymore. I can't even tell you the last time that someone came in and was like, yeah, I really need to buy this Marshall 100-watt tube half stack. Right. It doesn't happen. So um, I don't know. It's like a weird thing. I recently got a Line 6 Helix, mm-hmm. and I did it. I don't know, I wanted to see whatever, you know, does it really sound like an amp? I mean, does is it? am I really going to be able to get these tones that I have spent all this time collecting all these pieces of gear, you know? And uh, sure enough, I mean, I don't, I'm not smart enough to be able to use it for all the things that it can do. Um, but I've gotten some awesome tones out of it. And it's just this little thing. Like it's this <laughs> little thing, you know, and I don't need all these pedals. I only need one power strip thing to plug into right. instead of like 17, you right. know? Yeah. Uh, and so the last full band gig that I played was uh, in the summer. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm really going to test this theory. I'll be amongst friends. So I'm just going to take this Helix and I'm not even going to take an amp. I'm not going to take a tuner. I'm not going to take a delay pedal. I'm just going to take nothing. That. I'm going to take that and I'm going to take well, one, two trusty guitars. So I don't know why, but I just felt like I needed to take two <laughs> guitars, you know? Um, and it was awesome. I mean, it was so awesome. There was no lugging of an amp. I didn't need to make sure that it was mic'd correctly. Right. Um, I didn't have to worry about, like, you know, accidentally kicking the, you know, uh, DC power thing out of yeah. my delay yeah. pedal. It was awesome. And uh, at the end of the night, I played. Everything sounded great. I was totally happy with it. Um, way better on your back. Way yeah. Better I mean, I could just, right? it literally yeah. took seven minutes maybe to pack everything up and leave that's not bad yeah and it was <laughs> awesome not- and it was really i mean so i want to learn more about it and i know that you can do all these other tones and like program different scenes and 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 stuff like that but uh because i grew up in the 80s and and you know was a humongous van halen fan i only really need one patch and that is right. like a rocking you know van halen distortion patch where i can turn the delay on and off for my solos and and uh you know a little bit of reverb and that's it but i know that i can do so much more with it yeah what uh, boggled my mind is i went to um 38 north studios in falls church and they have a whole piece of equipment that you can fully personalize whatever amp that you want in this machine. Wow. Oh, is that and, the Kemper? Yes. Yeah. 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 I forgot what it was called, but that's perfect. Yeah, because you, you can sample. It's insane. Like if I liked, let's say this, I don't know, uh, 1960s hand-wired orange cab, I could bring it, mic it to that thing, right? And then play through it. And then it would like understand yeah. the frequency response of that particular cabinet and mimic it. That's yeah, crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. So, and then uh, they have a um, 
a music store right next to them that have a whole bunch of old tube amps and all that stuff. So they're profiling all of those. Oh, wow. It's insane. It's insane how they're doing that. And I never knew anything like that would ever exist. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, if you saw my basement, it looks like just another room in the music store. Because, <laughs> I, like I said, I've, I've done this my entire life. So I've collected all these things that... that uh, you know, like the real amps of the amps that everybody models. So right. like I have a Fender Deluxe Reverb, I have a PV5150, I have a Vox AC15, I have a JCM800, a JCM900, a Other Mesa. people would call that a problem. Or yeah, no, it's definitely, yeah. it's definitely a problem. <laughs> like I, if you look at my house, it's definitely a problem. But uh, so I have all these things, and uh, now it's almost like, well, I don't even need these anymore because if I was, if I knew what I was doing with the Helix, I could totally program it and get all those tones out of it. It's insane. I mean, it really is. And yeah. it's like, man, it, it, it's such, I don't know, because it took me a long time to collect all that stuff and figure out those tones. But now, if you buy this one thing, they're all at your <laughs> fingertips. So, That's I mean, the, for, the promise for, of technology for, for in the future, it, right? To be able to be creative and, and to be able to come up with things to express yourself, like that is the ultimate yeah. thing, you know? I mean, it's super cool. Do you have, now that you've experienced that, that line six, have you thought about how you're embracing technology in your shop too and uh, the future of that? Uh, we, we always try to uh, be um, cutting edge. M- music stores, in particular, independently owned music stores, kind of have a, a bad rap of being, uh, you know, kind of guys that are like older guys that, uh, you know, they, they didn't quite make it as a rock star. So this is like the next best thing for them. And, and they're not really like forward thinking mm-hmm. and, and they're not, uh, they're kind of like afraid of new things. And, and uh, um, so we try not to be that store. Like I work really hard at that. So I always am trying different things and, and uh, you know, I always want to be um, kind of on the cutting edge of things. Like we, we did Skype guitar lessons here mm-hmm. way before it was a big thing and it was just out of like we had a guitar teacher at the time and he was a good guitar teacher and people really liked him but he'd gotten a band job and he was you know going on tour and it was kind of like well I don't want to give up all my my students and I still enjoy teaching um is there a way that we can figure something out and at first I'm like oh you know what are we going to figure out you're moving <laughs> like you know about a uh but then uh we just kind of put more thought into it and um it's okay, well, we could do Skype guitar lessons. So we had a room, and this was probably like, I don't know, eight years ago mm-hmm. or something. And uh, it, now there's so many online lessons and different things that you could do. But back then it was kind of a really cool thing. So we would try to do stuff like that. We were uh, um, a big way that people buy gear now is on Reverb.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were one of the very first dealers to sign up and get on board with Reverb.com. Is actually we were – probably the biggest dealer early on to get involved, so much so that uh, I got asked to go speak about Reverb.com to hundreds of other music stores at uh, the NAMM show, however many years that was. Um, So we we always try to be forward-thinking and... um, you know, try to keep up with the trends and, and new technology. It, it's weird a little bit because, uh, and I, I said that I would never be like this, but I have become <laughs> like this, is that uh, I've become old. And I don't, uh, I, I, I can't like do some things with technology. Like that Helix, like my mind right. just doesn't work 
like that or something. And, uh, you know, I always used to kind of like laugh at like old people fumbling with like the direct TV remote or something yeah. like that. But now I'm that old guy. <laughs> uh, but um, I'm really lucky to be surrounded by a lot of really good staff here that, that's younger and, and, and you know, kind of understands this stuff and knows this stuff better. And I always try to, like, really listen to everybody. And uh, I always try to create a culture of uh, yes. Uh, we actually train our people. Like, if you came up to somebody and asked them a question here, they're not supposed to say no. Like I don't. I hate the word no. I don't right. want to hear that. Like, right. um, don't tell me no. I can't do this, or we can't make this work. Tell me what I can do. Yeah, like, there's like, always a different way to approach it. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so so uh, we try to create that culture. So if someone comes to me with a new technology idea, um, you know, I try to try to be on board and, and understand as best I can, and and uh, you know, look into it. Obviously, we can't do everything and, and can't say yes to everything, but uh, try to have an open mind and, and uh, you know, figure stuff out. And, How long know. has the shop been around? Um, Ten years, October seventh. Uh, so we just just finished celebrating our, our ten year anniversary, which was really awesome. I, I uh, uh, it went by pretty quick, and I. Uh, honestly, never thought that far ahead <laughs> when we when we started out. Really, you know, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, and you have your hands in a couple different pots when it comes to the shop. You have the the students here. You have the gear. You have all the instruments, and then you also do the recitals and stuff like that. And then the Rocktoberfest too. Yeah. So are you are you thinking more along of what you can do for your community now too? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, so um, this again goes back to me not being able to sit still. Like some people would just be happy, like, oh, it's a busy store, we sell stuff, whatever, <laughs> you know, but I'm never satisfied and I always want to do better and more. And uh, we want to be part of something. Like I don't want to just be a place where people come and buy stuff and mm -hmm. you never see them again. Like I want to be part of the musical journey for as many people as I can and make it as positive of an experience as I can through every step of the way. So whether you're buying your first instrument, whether you're learning how to play it, whether you're performing for the first time and we have, you know, our recitals, we have a stage outside, we have the stage inside. Like I wanna we do open mic nights places. I wanna give people safe places to play, you know, like good environments, positive environments right. to play. I wanna uh if something breaks for them, we fix it here, you know, we have a repair shop. Uh we when you're ready to upgrade, we take your old stuff as trades. Uh if you're not playing something anymore, we'll buy it from you. Like there's not many places in the world now that you could walk in and be like, Hi, I don't use this banjo anymore and we would buy it from you. Right. Like right, right then and there on the spot. You don't have to do anything. Um, you know, we, we rent stuff, whether it be a you know trumpet or hey, you just got a big gig that you weren't expecting and you need a big PA system with four subwoofers and you know Whatever, a monitor yeah. system. Like we rent that for you. Um, so it's uh, your full versatile. Yeah, but we try yeah, to do yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah, it goes back to not not saying no, and, and then <laughs> uh, we want to create like when, when I when I first came here to La Plata and Open Island Music, like I grew up here, and there wasn't a lot going on in the music scene. Mm -hmm. it just what wasn't that, in particular, in La Plata, like Waldorf had some stuff going on because mm -hmm. it was a bigger 
city, you know, obviously more rooftops, like more, right. you know. Right. Um, but there was not that much going on here. I mean, there, when I was growing up, there wasn't even really any place to see live music in La Plata. Right. I mean, just, you know. So uh, we kind of decided that, hey, you know what? If we can help this along a little bit, you know. Uh, so we partner with the town and, and help promote their Friday night concert series. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, in the spring and the summer, we do Rocktoberfest, which has become a really, really big thing. Like people talk about it all year. <laughs> and they wear the T-shirts like all year long. So that's how I know, you know what I mean? That, that, is that catching it, on. it resonates yeah. with yeah. people. Um, you know, we're always bringing in artists to do clinics or, or events or something where we're doing open mic nights, we're doing microphone demos, we're doing uh, Taylor wine and guitar tasting yeah, things. Yeah. Anything that you can do to create excitement and keep people interested in music. Like, that's my job. It's not just to, like, sell this guy this guitar. Right. My job is to keep people interested in music. And Because uh, if nobody's interested in music and they're playing video games or fooling around on their phone or something, mm-hmm. then it all dies. Like, there, yeah. there's no live performances, yeah. there's no people running sound, there, there's there's no gear being sold. There's no lessons being taken. There's nothing being repaired. Like my job is to keep as many people interested in music as possible. Yeah, and I've I've talked about this on some of my other prior episodes where I was doing concerts ten years ago. Okay. Um, I, I did a lot of them in St. Mary's and did a couple of them in Waldorf at my brother's place and memories. Okay. So I was booking the shows, putting everything together, trying to find the bands that are around here. That's such hard work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you deserve yeah. like a purple heart. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that because it's, it's something that, that if you're not passionate about it, it's it's not going to work out, and you're not in it for the money because there's no money to be made. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There's right. there's just nothing happening. Um, but my my whole mentality was your mentality, where I want to be able to bring people together and have that safe space, have that, those people come together. But what I noticed, so I I stopped pretty much doing shows about eight years ago. Seven years ago was probably the last one that I did. And that was mostly just because I have a job that I needed to focus on. And <laughs> hey, life gets in the way. Yeah, life I say that gets all the in the way. Too. Life yeah. finds a way. Yeah. Um, so what I what I was noticing is that it's finally starting to pick back up a little bit more in this in this area in Southern Maryland as a whole. And one of the things that I saw, so I went to Five South down in Callaway. Yeah, I keep hearing about that place. Here. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, but I went there. Either January of this year or maybe late last year. And what I saw is that it's the same core group of people playing music again, oh, sure. which is fantastic. Yeah, totally. But there's no new people. Yeah. And that's that's where we've we've fallen off, I think, as as a whole area where there's no places for people younger to really play. Yeah. And that's that's something where as soon as I saw that, I was like, Well, that's that stinks. And and I don't know really kind of what to do, but it sounds like you're at least providing some experience for that. Yeah, I mean we're we're certainly trying. I, I don't uh, um, I don't know that I have all the answers uh, for that. I, I wish that I did, um, but I, I think that uh, you know one of the the big things that. Uh, we really need is more venues, more mm-hmm. more places to play. Um, 
I mean, there's. I was, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Like, I, I want to uh, get back to doing an acoustic gig every every so often, but I don't want to travel far. I have a family. I, I work right. probably twelve hours a day. Um, I can't drive to St. Mary's or, or Calvert or something. Like, I, I just need something close to play. I don't. I don't even really want to make any money at it. I just want a clo- uh, like a close venue that does acoustic music that, uh, you know, you could go play a, a 7 to 10 gig or, you know, 7 to 11 gig or something like that. And uh, right now, we really don't have much in La Plata. So Casey Jones what uh, was sold uh, last year and the mm-hmm. new place is, they're not interested in doing live music. Uh, Red Oak Bistro was a really great place for, for, yeah, for live that, music. I play there a lot, yeah. you know, and, and, and they're gone. Um, Kautai is, is a good place for live music, but uh, because it's the only place they're booked out so far in advance, right. I mean, they're literally, I think I talked to the, the guy Fred, and uh, I mean, he, he told me that they're booked till like January. Jeez. But I mean, that's the only place, really, yeah. especially in the winter, you yeah. know? So um, we need more venues. Um, we need more bar, restaurants uh, to, to kind of get interested in having live music. Uh, it definitely, I know there's probably more work behind yeah. it. And in some ways it probably gets in the way of business, but uh, it's uh, it would be awesome to have. So uh, that, that, that's one thing. Um, I think we're seeing a uh, kind of a trend in younger musicians and guitar players as to where they're more at home players yeah. uh, or you know, kind of behind the iPhone players than they are like let's get out in public and play kind of thing um so i think we have that you know kind of to deal with too but um i don't know plug away a little bit yeah, <laughs> a little bit yeah, as you can time, and yeah. uh you know uh if you can convert people to uh to getting out and play and even if it's you know on one of our stages or or you know they uh kind of get their feet wet at rocktoberfest or something you know uh, anything we can do where did the idea of Rocktoberfest come from? Huh. Um, I've actually used the term Rocktoberfest. So we opened in October of 2008, and I've used that term every October to describe <laughs> some kind of sale or event or something. So I've been coining that phrase for a while. And uh, so this is our fifth anniversary of Rocktoberfest this year. At uh, some point in time, um, because I'm always trying to promote music and, and uh, get people interested and stuff, I, I uh, try to work with the school systems a lot. And mm-hmm. at one point in time, somebody from the school system said something to me like, well, that would be great. We'd love to do that, but we don't have any money. And uh, I said, what do you mean? You're the school system. How can you not have any money for you know whatever it was? Right. Or, you know, a clarinet or a recorder right. or something, right, you know, right, right. something silly. And... Um, like well, you know, unfortunately, the lot not a lot of money goes into um, music and the arts. Yeah, yeah. so uh, instantly, I thought, well, how can we change that? Like, what what can we do to make that uh, different? 
And uh, so we came up through Oktoberfest, and uh, I got a couple other businesses on board early on uh, to kind of be sponsors and, and help underwrite it. And the very first Rocktoberfest was just in the bar of Casey Jones. It was a small thing, <laughs> and uh, uh, I got uh, Paul Reed Smith to give us a guitar to raffle off. And um, I think uh, Magic Hat Beer gave us a like vintage-looking bike to raffle off. It's cool. And, uh, you know, Casey Jones partnered with me and allowed me to throw this crazy party right, <laughs> in there. Yeah. We had three bands uh, then. I think uh, um, it was much different. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it turned out to be a nice, fun night. And everybody that came really enjoyed themselves. And uh, we raised $3,500 that night uh, between the raffle tickets. And uh, I think we had had something worked out or if you bought a... A drink for ten dollars, you got a free commemorative Rocktoberfest glass and and stuff like that. So we raised a little bit of money there, and um, I just thought it was a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like and I never never imagined that it would be you know this thing that people look forward to. And uh, some people kept talking about it. I was like, oh, when are you going to do the next one? When you know, going to have one next year? <laughs> Who's going to play next year? Can I play next year? Yeah, you know, for you, or it was like, just a flash in the pan idea. Right? Yeah, I just yeah. thought like it's just some fun thing to do, like in, in October. And I, we literally put the first one together in a month. Like I mean, that. So now, fast forward five years, it literally takes an entire year to plan yeah. and execute Rocktoberfest. I mean, we we shut down a street now. There's 16 bands. One is always a national act, like a headlining right. national right. act. Right. Uh, we we now I get a one day alcohol permit, so we can sell the alcohol, Gosh, so we can okay. raise more money. So instead of paying or partnering with you know a bar or restaurant or something right. where they're profiting off of this, like now I get a one day alcohol permit. And all the money that we raise selling alcohol goes towards the cause of it. So there is no middleman making money That's off of it. So when you yeah, buy yeah. a beer at Rocktoberfest, all that money, whatever it is, $5, is all going to the school system. Nice. Yeah. So it's, nice. it's uh, but it takes so long to plan. Yeah. And uh, so I think this past year we had 5,000 people come through, uh, which is a lot of people to worry about and a lot of people to like make sure they're safe and, and everything is, is you know, um, yeah, I mean, it's tight security, you know, mm-hmm. there's no, no problems, nobody's getting hurt, nobody's getting too drunk or any, you know, right, something right, like right. that. And, uh, I mean, it takes 12 police officers. <laughs> so it, it's a lot to- Which to, isn't cheap. No, it, it's a lot <laughs> to, to deal with, but it's such an awesome day. It's my absolute favorite day of the year because, I mean, really- that is what it's all about. When you see mm-hmm. the bands out there playing, especially a band playing for the first time, you know, and this is where they're playing. They're opening, like this year, they're opening for Sponge, and it's their first time playing in front of people. That's awesome, you know? Right. And uh, just to see the students coming in, you know, because a lot of times all of our lesson students go because they've been, you know, seeing the flyers and everything, right. and they know it benefits their school system. Uh, to see that's awesome. To see all the people out on Main street you know shopping at the other businesses and eating at the other restaurants and stuff is so awesome um and and when it's all said and done at the end of the day it's a lot of work but i mean it's so worth it it is so worth it so it's uh it's really grown and it's really changed and uh it's going to be even bigger and better this year so that's great 
Do you have a clear vision of what you want to do for your store itself and what you're looking for in the future five, ten years from now? Because you're one of the few ones that have been able to stay successful, I think, through innovation where shops like Hotlicks have gone away and there's so much online shopping that you've actually, looks like you've grown, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we try to, um, so I can't tell you what it's going to be like in 10 years or five years because I don't know how things are going to change <laughs> right. and, and, and you know how things are going to be different. I think that's where you get yourself in trouble is if you map out this plan and uh, you know we're going to do this within the next five years. Well, the world doesn't follow along with your plan. So you almost have to constantly be steering and moving the ship uh, as the world changes. So um, we know online shopping is not going to go away. Like no one's – people aren't in mass just going to set down their cell phones and their iPads and their computers and start walking out to stores. So um, we almost have to think of ourselves as two different businesses. We are the people that come through the front door and to seek out the experience of coming in here. Which And, and we try to make it an experience. Like I don't want it to just be like you walk into some boring store. Like there, it's an experience coming in here. Right. Some people drive – on the weekends from Pennsylvania just to come and look at what we have to offer. Because we, we might, you know, we have every Rickenbacker guitar in right. stock. Most other local music stores, you don't see that. Like, they, they can't put their hands on that kind of stuff, you know. Um, and we have these cool events, and we do, you know, all these unique things. So the through the front door people are you know still coming here they are interested in the experience they want to be part of something but then there's a whole separate version of folks that are online customers that uh, you know they, they, they don't want to interact quite as much or, or, or be you know part of what we're doing but they, they want to you know they're interested in a product that we have and they're interested in how we present ourselves and, and um, so we are, you know, constantly trying to walk the line of, of keeping both of those kind of customers happy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's almost two separate businesses kind of thing. Or kind of our, our next big thing is we're looking at a way to warehouse more products. Um, so we're able to, to provide more products, you know, brand new in a box, uh, you know, unique things that are shipped right to the customer's house kind of thing. But you need more space to do that. Yeah. You need more folks to photograph them, to weigh them, to, you know, uh, list them online. So we're trying to expand that. Uh, we're also, we've expanded our lesson program quite a bit. Um, we're we're going to probably get into uh, more group lessons and group classes as time goes on, jazz ensembles, stuff like that. Um, so we're going to try to do different unique things. It and then really just, try and bridge the gap between like the school system yeah, and what you're doing, right? Yeah, and um, uh, we, we have a, uh, a big uh, portable stage that we use for Rocktoberfest. It's a nice stage, like mm. it costs a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we, we want to get more into the backline thing, you know, so if you're having, if you were promoting shows again and doing that kind yeah. of stuff and you needed a stage and you needed a full PA system and lights, you know, we want to be more involved in that. Um, we do a lot of, uh, um, 
uh, pro audio install work. We just did a, a large sound system for the county government building. So when they swore oh, in all the okay. new commissioners, um, you know, that was all our stuff. And, and that was, you know, a six month project that, you know, finally came to fruition and, and, uh, you know, was, was, uh, really a, a big thing for, for the county. So um, you've been able to very, be very flexible and, and pliable to fit whatever sure, yeah. need is out there. Then. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, and not just the music shop. No, no, definitely not. I mean, I spend a lot of my time, you know, out looking at different uh, sites for sound systems. I've, I've been really lucky in my life um, to, uh, you know, work along with some really good people in the industry. And uh, I've also, um, any chance that I've, uh, been offered to learn, mm-hmm. I take that chance. So I've been uh, to uh, Mississippi to PV's headquarters three different times to train with their. Uh, they have a real good grasp on pro audio and install mm-hmm. products, and they they uh, they own a couple different big pro audio companies, uh, Media Matrix and Crest, and and of course PV. And uh, so I've been there to study. Quite a few times, I've been to Electro Voice to study. Um, yeah, I'm always trying to learn and, and uh, you know That's apply great. these things yeah. to, to what we can do here. So. And not be such the crossy old man that you. Yeah, no, I don't want to be that it. guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even if I don't understand technology, I still don't want to be that guy. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, we we hope to grow that kind of stuff. But as as far as a long term plan, I just can't tell you really because we try to roll with the punches and, and change. You know, as as the landscape does um i wish it was that easy where i could just be like okay in three years we're gonna be done with this and then we're gonna be done with this and uh but uh at least at least you have that that pliability i I think that's that's such a big part where you're not afraid of the future you're not afraid of the technology you're not really while other people you see like the box stores are are closing down kind of around you because they're a little afraid to embrace it. Yeah, oh, you're, totally. You're more than welcome to yeah. learn everything I mean, that we'll, you can. We'll, we'll figure it out, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and so, at the end of the day, the secret weapon is is that uh, I'm really a customer. <laughs> like I love this stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, uh, I I'm not like the guy that uh, you know, the crotchety guy behind the counter or whatever that didn't make it as a rock star. Like I've always wanted to do this. Right. And. Uh, I'm a customer. I still love guitars. I love, you know, practicing guitar. I love playing guitar. I love getting new gear. Um, so I always kind of use that as, as a guide. Like maybe that's not uh, uh, the best way always to look at things. But mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, I'm another guy. Like I'm another customer. And then for you, you just surround yourself with good people, right? Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's uh, you know that that's a real big part of it. Uh, a lot of our folks have been here a really long time time you know and uh they're kind of like family part of the the team and uh you know we, we bring on new folks as, as we uh you know find talent i always say i'm in talent acquisition <laughs> mode you know when we're looking to, to fill spots um if, you know if we think someone has talent and and they'd be a good fit to our team we, we make a space for them kind of um and and that's a big thing too because I can't keep up on everything anymore and know everything anymore. You really need kind of extensions and, and people with different personalities and stuff. I think it's just important to know that too. It just shows a level of maturity that you can translate to your family and translate to your career, translate to your band, just knowing that you can't do everything all the time. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's, it takes, uh, so I still struggle with that. Yeah. You know, like I still do. Like I, I, um, 
uh, so I'm 37 years old and, uh, I, I can't, uh, even though I, I feel like I'm pretty physically fit and, and try to take care of myself, can't do everything that I used to do anymore. And, uh, you know, I also need to take care of myself better and, and kind of be more cautious with the things that I do do because if something happens to me that's bad for the the store and then that trickles down to to everybody else so I shouldn't be the guy like climbing up on the roof uh, <laughs> you know like fixing the air conditioners like there's people that you know right you can make the phone calls job. Yeah, 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 yeah but I, my uh, mentality <laughs> is as always like oh, I could do that or I'm gonna do that you know uh, so I get myself in a lot of like really weird situations where you know maybe I shouldn't be I that's should funny. should call in get you know, help or something, but, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> what do you think has kept you most motivated throughout your, your shop and your career to continue to be able to do this while balancing out, you know, all the, the obligations that you have in the other parts of your life? Um, it's really exciting for me to to see new people walk through the door every day and for them to uh to kind of uh walk through the front door and say wow or when they come up to you and uh it's a lot of times now uh People don't know who I am. They just think I'm just some guy that's here. <laughs> uh, so it's really kind of awesome. Uh, every once in a while, somebody will pull me aside and uh, they'll say, well, hey, I didn't realize that you were the owner here. I just thought you were just some nice guy that talks to me about <laughs> guitars or whatever. And, uh, you know, I've been coming here for X amount of time and, and you know, I got into guitar because, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, uh I just want to thank you for, for getting me into this and, and for making this such a, a really pleasant thing for me. I mean, some people, uh, although I think this is my career, to some people this is their hobby, this is what they do to escape other things in their yeah. life. And to hear that is awesome to me, you know, because we're, we're giving them something that, uh, you know, they're not thinking about their phone bill. They're not thinking about cutting the grass. They're not thinking about, you know, whatever problems that they have in life. They're enjoying music. And uh, so that's a humongous thing that drives me. And then uh, another thing that really drives me is that uh, um, my family works here. My wife started this business with me. She's at the front desk today. We have a seven-year-old daughter, and her mission in life is to be me here at the <laughs> store. You know, like she wants to to be involved and is interested in it. And, uh, you know, to me, that's awesome. So I want to make sure that, you know, we do the best job that we can and, uh, because she's watching, you yeah. know, and, uh, so that's a big thing for me too. So what do you, what do you have coming up as far as some of the events and, and specials that you have for the, Okay, um, so we have, uh, let's see, tomorrow is a really special day for us. I know this probably won't air <laughs> by then, but uh, I'll tell you about it anyhow because we're really proud of it. Um, so every year we have a large holiday recital where basically all of our students perform uh, in front of their parents and grandparents and friends and, and mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And uh, it's a really exciting time because these kids have been working all year on this and, and it's a big thing for them. Uh, so tomorrow we have our annual holiday recital, which is a big thing. I think we have about 250 students that perform in it. Uh, so it, it's kind of a cool. And that's going to be cool here? Day. Yep. It's all day. We, we, so when we get done with There's, this podcast, where do you put them? All this stuff gets cleared out. 
So it's completely open. And, and it's just Jake doing it. It's just Jake by himself, yeah. And we, we actually, to make it more interesting, we tie one of his hands behind his back uh, just, just to see. And sometimes we even put on a blindfold. But uh, I think this time we're not going to do that. But uh, so we have groups. So they'll do like an hour group, you know, like 10 to 11, and there'll be a break. And then another group will come in. It goes like all day long. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a really awesome thing. And it really is a great way to kick off the holidays for us. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, after that, um, it's pretty busy in here all the way up until Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we are stocked to the gills right now. And, uh, we basically have anything anybody could want musically for Christmas. We have, you know, specials on acoustic guitars, electric guitars. We have limited edition guitars. We have, you know, guitars that we have waited to unveil for the holiday season. We had a new line of PRS acoustic guitars that we didn't even launch. We've had them sitting in the back of the warehouse, but we didn't even launch them until the Black Friday weekend. Uh, So we have all these cool limited things. Um, I think we have special financing going on. Uh, Basically, anything thing qualifies for financing right now so you can get no interest financing on just about anything um everybody gets a free lesson with anything that they buy any fretted or or stringed instrument gets a free setup with anything that they buy um we have all kinds of stuff going on yeah and then you do uh you mentioned it earlier but you do like the clinics and stuff so you'll have bill killier Kylie, I, I, can't, I struggle with saying his last yeah, name too. I would Mastodon, say Killer. Right? Yep. yep. So he'll be here next Wednesday, uh, which is really awesome. So we're going to film an interview, uh, podcast with him. And then after that, he's going to do a guitar clinic, kind of instructional workshop kind of thing. And uh, so that's really cool and exciting. We have on the last Saturday of the month, we have our ukulele jam. Uh, so just after Christmas, that Saturday, we have a ukulele group that meets here. Uh, uh, and anybody is welcome to come, whether you play or are interested in playing. Yeah, just want to listen. Uh, so there's normally about 15 to 20 of them. Everybody kind of jams along on different songs and stuff. They teach you. Uh, it's really a cool, cool thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's see. What else do we have? Christmas Eve is always kind of a festive day here. So mm-hmm. if you're into music, uh, a lot of times we'll have food brought in. It's, you know, everybody's kind of running around like crazy. Right, and right. Uh, it's just like a fun day. Uh, so we have a, a lot to look forward to over the rest of the month. Uh, one of the things I forgot to ask is how do you um, how do you contact all those people that do come in for those clinics? Like like Bill from Mastodon. I mean, that's that's big for me. Just because I like I've listened to Macedon for years and years and years, and all that style of music I, I absolutely love. So having someone literally come to my backyard <laughs> is amazing. So how how did that work? How does that um, work for you? So a lot of times, what I try to do is I watch the schedules of the local venues, like the Nine Thirty Club or like anywhere DC, Baltimore, Rams Head, stuff like that, and uh, if I recognize a name or an artist. Um, I reach out to the company, like ESP, for instance, that they might endorse. Oh, okay. And uh, I say, hey, look, this guy is coming to our area. Um, and then I always bribe them. <laughs> I realize that that's the best way. So I say, like, well, so this guy is coming to our area. What if I bought all these guitars? Would you then make him come here and like, <laughs> basically do whatever, yeah, you know? Yeah. And uh, 
a lot of times um, they're like, Keith, um, if you knew how much that guy costs like per minute <laughs> and you told him you were going to buy six of his guitars, he would like laugh at you. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so then, uh, because we've done this for a while, we've, we've had some really good events and some really big yeah. artists here. And uh, they always turn out really nice. It's like, oh, we had Billy Sheehan, who to me was humongous, you know, with David Lee Roth and Mr. Big. We had Greg Bissonette. We've had uh, Michelangelo Badio. We've had George Lynch. We've had uh, um, the drummer from Adele. We've had all these people. Right. So we do a really good job with it. And uh, so then we got this reputation of like, hey, you know what? Like, if this guy's coming to DC, Island Music will buy all this weird stuff <laughs> if we just take this guy here and let him play in front of people. And uh, so then now people come to us and like, hey, so and so is coming. And because I hit that corner and I turned old, a lot of times, like Bill from Mastodon, I had no idea. Yeah. I heard the name and yeah. I recognized the name a little bit because we saw the guitar. But if he was like, in line in front of me at Starbucks, right. I wouldn't know, you right. know. Or if he's like, "Hi, I'm from Mastodon," I would. What sounds like a dinosaur yeah. to me yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, so now people come to us, and uh, so that's what happened. That's fantastic. Because yeah. for for me, you know, you talk about how how old you are. You're not that old. Um, <laughs> well, however old that I am, if you add like. 20, 20 years, years yeah. to it like that's how old that I like mentally yeah, it's always been that way yeah but that's that's cool because I think uh, if if you get kind of that mentality of again I, we we talked through this the whole, the whole episode is if you're not afraid to embrace what is going on now then you can even grow even more to where you can do everything that you want to bring in here. George Lynch is fantastic. That's who you want. Bill Sheehan, that's who you want. Yeah. And then just be conscious of what everybody else wants. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. A, a way to juggle it and then make sure that you're satisfied, right? And then also be able to satisfy everybody else. Right. Yeah. And, and it goes back to like, although I don't know any Mastodon music, I bet you that when it's all over, I will have learned or picked up something from him, whether it be a guitar technique, whether it be like a philosophy of touring or, you know, how he juggles a schedule, like something. Yeah. So there's no, to me, there's no downside right. to it. I mean, sure, it's a, like a long day, a little bit more work, but what, there's no downside. Yeah. You just learn. It's just another, it's a, it's a day. And I always say, like, this is so much better. Like, I could be doing some, hardcore manual labor job like when I was a kid or I could be like sitting at a desk like accounting or something like that just staring at a screen for nothing but instead like I'm talking to this rock star guy and I'm watching his guitar technique up close you know yeah and uh, so you you can always learn it could, could you know I mean it's awesome yeah that's fantastic. All right, that's a good way to. <laughs> good job. That was, that was great.